the parable is shaped less like a story and more like a rhetorical question. In Matthew 18, it takes on an impersonal form. If someone has 100 sheep and lost one, wouldn't they go find it? And in Luke 15, it's made more personal. Who of you, if you had 100 sheep but lost one, wouldn't go to find that one? These two accounts then follow the same pattern. The first part of the parable is the setup. A shepherd has a flock of 100, and one of them wanders away. Now, the role of a shepherd is to tend to the flock of sheep. They will move the herd all together to new places to graze. They will protect the sheep from predators and from harm. They will meet their needs as they come up. Sheep are social animals, and they thrive when they are together, and they are well cared for. According to an online veterinary manual, sheep actually possess specialized neural mechanisms in the right temporal and frontal lobes of the brain and may recognize familiar human or ovine faces for as long as two years. That means they're wired for connection with each other and with their shepherd, and they have the ability to engage in what is familiar to them, such as their community and their shepherd. In this parable, though, one of these sheep wanders away from what is safe and what is familiar, and they become lost. The shepherd would spend day and night with this group of 100 sheep. And because of the familiarity that that would lend them, when one is gone, they would know, and they would search for the sheep. They wouldn't do it reluctantly or begrudgingly. In the telling of these parables, it is obvious that this is what they do. The rhetorical question of the parable is structured, uh, is centered around this assumption that of course the shepherd will leave the place where the flock is and go and search out the one that they know is missing. While 99 out of 100 is an enviable test score, it won't do here. The one sheep must be found. And in the end, the shepherd finds the sheep and upon finding this lost one, they rejoice. So much so that they're happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. That's from the Matthew account. Or in the Luke account, it goes farther. farther. When the shepherd comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. And even further still in the Luke passage, Jesus then adds, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I suspect that for some of us, there's a discomfort that arises at the emphasis that comes up here. Rejoicing at finding the lost sheep makes perfect sense. But both versions of the parable go out of their way to emphasize that the rejoicing for the one lost sheep who is found exceeds the joy for the 99 that remained it could almost strike one as unfair. I guess a question that might come up for us is this. What is the reward for those who were faithful? We live in a world that revolves around merit. Our society has set us up to be in a race every day to be better than others. To earn what we are given, to achieve and to gain, 
When we receive positive response for our efforts at achieving, we get the endorphin rush of betterness. And I say that from a deeply personal standpoint. We do live in a very get what we deserve headspace. Perhaps some of us might go as far to think, shouldn't the sheep who wandered off be scolded for doing so and the ones who stayed where they were supposed to be be the ones that are celebrated? And in some ways, that mentality would not have been completely foreign in the context that Jesus was speaking into. If you notice the opening line of the Luke version of the parable, it begins with some Pharisees and scribes grumbling about how Jesus was welcoming and eating with sinners. Immersed in a religious culture that valued piety, devoutness, and status, a rabbi choosing to mingle and connect with people who exuded none of those particular qualities, in fact went against many of them, would have been considered scandalous. Those folks had not earned the right to be in their company, and certainly Jesus should know better than to let them near him. But the gospel of Jesus is precisely this uncomfortable scandal that there is room for everyone in the presence of the Lord, and there is active, unending invitation to the presence of the Lord, no matter who you are. There is no deserve, only welcome. This is the story of the gospel and the story of the lost sheep. This is the kingdom of God. Now, if you were to take one step back from our passages today with me, and you will, because you are with me, um, and into the broader chapters that contain them, you are going to find the same story being told again and again. Beginning with Matthew 18, we're going to see the following trajectory. In the opening uh, verses of the chapter, Jesus is asked who the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is, a question that was very likely sourced from an earthly view of prestige and power. Who is the greatest? And in response, Jesus draws a child to him and says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Then comes the parable of the lost sheep, which we've been focusing on. See, you are here. Um, and then Jesus focuses, shifts his focus to addressing conflict in the church. Now, this passage of Matthew 18, I have a whole sermon on. We will not get to that today. Um, but it is often misunderstood as a punitive system where we call a person out repeatedly. However... Um, if we do a more nuanced reading of the text, we find that the process is actually oriented around restoration of the offending person, not punishment. When a person sins against another, the hurt party addresses with them, it with them, in hopes that things can be resolved. And if that doesn't work, they bring in a few witnesses so that it can be brought to light and seen among more people. And if that doesn't work, then they bring the matter to the church. Always with the hope of restoring the relationship. In the end, if the process doesn't succeed, 
The community is to treat the offending person like a tax collector and sinner. That is to say, the exact kind of person that Jesus was known to reach out with, eat with, and draw towards himself with grace and invitation. The exact same people that Jesus was receiving grumbles from the Pharisees and scribes for eating with in the passage of Luke. Sorry, but we're back in Matthew 18. At the end of the chapter, Jesus is then asked about how many times we should forgive someone who sins against us, and he responds with 70 times 7. We'll come back to that, um, but first we need to touch on the Luke passage, so let's jump over to Luke 15. In the context of the Luke passage, the chapter begins with our text, you are here, and is followed up by two more parables the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost son. The first of these parables is a parallel story to the lost sheep, almost exactly. It features a woman instead, though, and she loses and finds a coin and invites those around her to join her in rejoicing at the finding of the coin. The second parable, the parable of the lost son, is also known as the story of the prodigal son. And in brief, a father has two sons, and the youngest asks for his share of the inheritance, a deeply offensive request for his father. He then goes and squanders it, and then miserably and humbly returns to his father's home to seek work, thinking he is undeserving of returning as a son. But as his father sees the son walking home in the distance, he rejoices and runs to him, and then holds a feast in his honor. So glad is he to have his son back. Noteworthily, the older brother is angry and bitter about this move, citing his faithfulness to his father, an attitude akin to the Pharisees at the opening chapter of Luke. And to that, the father responds, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So when we look at these two chapters, Matthew 18 and Luke 15, we see uh, the formation of a picture that Jesus is creating of the kingdom of heaven for us. And this picture drives us back to the beautiful scandal of the Gospels, that no matter who you are, there is active, unending invitation to the presence of the Lord through Jesus Christ. There is rejoicing when that invitation is accepted. There is joy when people are found. There is no merit, no earning, only welcome. The kingdom of heaven welcomes the lowly and the humble, those who become like children. The kingdom of heaven welcomes those who sin to be restored through a restorative conflict resolution process. The kingdom of God welcomes people into grace through forgiveness and then invites them to forgive just the same, like Christ's teaching on forgiveness. And the kingdom of God rejoices when any sheep or coin or son is found. Why? Because the goal of the kingdom is to draw us near to God. The kingdom of God that Jesus came in to usher is exactly what the world was meant to be. God created the world and declared it good. We were made in God's image and meant for relationship with the earth through stewardship, with each other in relationship, and with God walking in fellowship. 
Sin and brokenness shattered that picture, but Jesus comes and makes it new. God still desires for us to be in that place of harmony and oneness with one another and himself. And through Jesus, it is made possible. And through Jesus, we are given a picture to see that possibility. Jesus creates that invitation and waits for us to accept. There is no merit because Jesus has done all of the work. And now he's seeking us out to come into his care like a shepherd watching over his flock. When the flock is gathered with their shepherd, of course the shepherd is pleased because they're exactly where they are meant to be to thrive. But when one is lost, when one is away from the presence of their protector and caregiver, the shepherd knows not only that they're gone, but that they need to come back. I have two sons. Andrew and I have two sons. And if we ever lost one of our boys, there is nothing that we wouldn't do to find them. Nothing. And when I found him, I would rejoice and we would throw one heck of a party. (laughs) Would that mean that our other son that hadn't gotten lost wasn't important? No. It just means that the recovery of the one that had been lost was worth celebrating because now they're both back where they belong. It's not preferential treatment. It is the unrelenting welcome to come into the presence of God And celebration when one who isn't there, but should be, finally arrives. To be a sheep in the care of Christ, the shepherd, is a gift. A gift of care. Rest for the weary. Provision for our soul. Guidance, protection, and love. And what does it look like to be there? How could we imagine this? Well, we were already there this morning when we opened with Psalm 23. Listen to it again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the beautiful picture of the pasture that the sheep in our parable find themselves in. The parable of the lost sheep tells us a story of a shepherd that knows where his sheep belong and will do everything he can to bring them there. It is a story of the unending welcome of a God who created the world good and would see it restored. A God that makes the welcome here for everyone, anytime. No merit, no earning, no competition or race. Just welcome into a place where we are loved and cared for. And that is good news. Thank you.